friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. I am Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Well, Jen, it's time ye was stalled to the rogue. So put on your best beater cases and let's mill some knaves. I got my dew beaters on. We're going to go mill some coves, save some culls, or I really should have written down like a bunch of these sentences, but... Don't worry, I've got plenty. I bet you do. Okay, great. That near incomprehensible bit of jargon means we are here to talk about rogues. Rogues. This is an action-packed set of quests here for an introductory... This is so dense with content. Seriously. I guess that makes sense because this you can only get in there when you hit, what, level 10? Yep. Yeah. So it's a little bit more advanced, I suppose. Expert. Yeah. Expert level 10. You've had to do a few errands. You know know everything you need to know. Oh, my. uh, Hardly. (laughs) You're good to go. First off, let's back up to some generalities. Rogues, as far as I can tell... Final Fantasy XIV is the first time a rogue class has appeared in the series entirely. Mm. However, its cousin, the Thief, is an OG Final Fantasy classic, appearing in many titles all the way back to number one. Well, there you go. So they decided to call the class Rogue and not Thief in this game. I wonder if that's because they were leaving the door open for an actual Thief class. Because as we hopefully know by now, all of the beginner classes get replaced by an iconic Final Fantasy class after level 30. So the rogue becomes the ninja, the marauder becomes the warrior, the thaumaturge becomes the black mage. So I wonder if they wanted to reserve the name thief for like a full on class sometime in the future. Interesting. Yeah, I, you know, right now where we sit um, in the... Um the span of the narrative as, as a whole, I have no idea how that would fit into anything, but like I, I welcome them to try because, yeah, Rogue certainly isn't very much about thievery in this context. It's not, but they do have some moves that are thievery adjacent too. So it feels like that Definitely. conceptual space is kind of filled, right? even though there's, they're not thieves per se. But I can see there being a class introduced that would have a class quest for the next expansion, for instance, where they are trying to, you know, rob from the rich and give back to someone else, the poor or the deserving or whatever. Have it be more thieves with honor than just I'm going to pick your pockets and make a few gil. Correct. No, I don't I don't think there's going to be like a criminal class introduced in Final Fantasy fourteen. But I mean, I think I, I, if they were introduced thieves... It does seem like Rogue already kind of covers that aspect of, you know, like the the thieves with hearts of gold. I agree. It may never appear. It may just be a little finger in the book, never to be sure. reopened yeah. again. Who knows? Yeah. Plenty of other stuff they could do. So Absolutely. Yeah. So as mentioned, Rogue becomes ninja. This is actually also like Final Fantasy 1, where the first game had a similar mechanic where the classes upgraded themselves later in the game. So the Black Mage became, I think, the Black Wizard, Ooh. for instance. Even though we, we know and love Black Mage as a class name, it rolls off the tongue better than Wizard, I think. Well, yeah. But in that game, the Thief became a ninja. Okay, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. There's a, there's a skill set that you can transfer from one to the other. That's true. 
but the class as it is, I'm talking about rogue specifically, not about ninja, is pretty bad because the main mechanic of the class is ninja themed. So you kind of have the hollow shell of a class that has no real differentiation to it until you get to level 30 and you actually get those ninja abilities, which really give you what makes the class unique. Which I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't know. I've never played ninja, so I can't speak to any of those, you know, post-jobstone equip uh, moves. (laughs) I promise you it's coming. This is the rogue cast, not the ninja cast, so I'll have to hold on for those for some weeks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, as Jen mentioned, you have to become level 10 to become a rogue. You cannot start the game as a rogue. It's a very trivial bar to clear. You can get to level 10 in an hour or two tops of gameplay if you're dead set on being a rogue for your first playthrough. But it's it, I'm of mixed feelings. At one point, level 10 is absolutely easy to do. Yep. Like, why bother making it have a gate at all? On the other hand, the rogue theming is not necessarily for your first time there. It wouldn't make sense in the story for you to become a rogue as they are in this game because they are a more kind of selective group of people and also it ties heavily into the, into the story of limsa and i don't know if that makes sense to give you that responsibility compared to what the other first time classes get yeah i totally agree so enough talking around it let's get into some rogue stuff even though they don't grow up until they become a ninja there still are a few special moves that rogues have the most notable one being stealth which is unique and also near useless. <laughs> but it's it's touted as your bread and butter when you go in and this is all that you're it's all about skulking. Sure. Yeah. This is the hide ability. It lets you of course hide from sight. Enemies in your level range cannot see you and you move at half speed so you go pretty slow. There is one move which you need to be hidden to do, but later on you get an ability that obviates the need to actually hide to do it. Oh so really? Interesting. Because you can't hide. You can't hide while you're in combat. Right. Yeah. So for the longer fights, it'd make the ability useless, but then they give you something to enable you to use the the hide requiring abilities in normal combat. That backstab move is called trick attack. It's effectively backstab. It gets bonus damage from behind. It makes the target more vulnerable to damage for a little bit. You can still do that in combat later on in the class's progression. Well, good to know. Hide, though... Besides a few class quests, which are specially designed to require the stealth mechanic, there's no reason to hide pretty much period in the game. You can't hide from enemies in dungeons. They can see you. There's no skip enemies in dungeons mechanic. Yep. And enemies in the overworld, you don't need to sneak past to bypass. You can go around them. Yep. You can go through them. You just not... go far enough and then they'll give up. Yeah. Um, this was uh, hide was really only utilized in the in the span of these you know preliminary quests, and I thought there it, it was it was implemented in such a way that I w- I thought well this seems really I, they they maximized the utility of hide for the quests, um, but out in the real world, no, I don't think you would be using this much at all. I that was one of the things I did note as we we're going through all of these different levels. They unlike some of the other jobs that we've done the the skills i think were utilized really well um in a lot of these scenarios they were you know thematically appropriate and they fit the plot and they fit the uh the the tactics that were i think the most successful for some of these fights well enjoy it while it lasts i I guess so (laughs) yeah the other rogue ability the active ability is mug 
which is a um, a damage up against the target for a short time, which is useful in a group setting. It also has the flavor perk of giving the enemy a higher chance to drop items, but no one's getting rich off this. It, it's just flavor. Nobody's going to be farming up no. Killians nope. with a mug oh, ability. Oh, I got an extra animal skin. I mean, maybe. It's not even... It doesn't... It doesn't even like guarantee any sort of extra drop. So No, it's all flavor. Yeah. And it's not like any other skill you get in any other job that I know of that affects like drop rates. Yeah, it's that was new to me. Well, also in the mostly flavor category, there is the reduced fall damage, which is a passive you unlock later on. Oh, post or once you become a ninja? It's a rogue ability, technically speaking. Like when I took my job stone off to do the rogue quest again, I still have the reduced fall damage. Interesting. Either way, though, it's not very helpful because you can't. I mean, you can't die from fall damage. You can die when you're in combat. If you jump off a cliff when you're in combat, you can die from fall damage. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll get it back in a couple of seconds. Right. So flavorful <laughs> because that's a ninja and rogue themed thing to jump off of buildings and survive. Sure. And do your cool cat fall but not very helpful. However, the um, the last passive, which is the speed up, is very helpful. Ooh, yes. So you can move faster slightly than any other character in the game. Hey. That's about it for the rogue mechanics. So in the world of Eorzea, rogues are not criminals. Not anymore. Unless you ask a certain yellow jacket lady. Ah, uh, yes. Well, they were previously referred to as the upright thieves. Yes. Yeah, they, they thieve in the name of good. I wouldn't call it good because, <laughs> well, let's recap our history here. As I'm sure you recall from the first Limsa episode, Admiral Agatsar Ro Merslin. <laughs> sure. No idea. Agatsar. <laughs> I'll call it close enough. He put an end to Limsa's era of uh, infighting and internal strife. By negotiating the code, which is a set of three tenants that are designed to keep the peace inside Limsa. So you could have a pirate town and not have people doing backstabbing and so on to steal their booty from each other. It allows you to have a base that's not going to be more dangerous than the open seas. Correct. And this marked an end to this era of bloodshed in Limsa's history. And at this point in time, the upright thieves were created to enforce this code from the shadows in case the common person were to breach it. You don't bite the purses of your fellow Lamentsons. You don't brook a crew out, oh, their spoils. And you don't trade coals like they was chattel. My God. Or in regular English, you don't steal from pirates. You don't snipe someone else's booty, as in you don't move in and steal their haul from them. And you don't sell your fellow Lamentsons into slavery. <laughs> These are all fair points. They are fair points for some civilizations, but in a pirate city, maybe less so. And yeah, that was that was probably the the most like the 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 driest and the widest way of <laughs> pronouncing the pirate talk. I just it it got to be so much. You don't. Bite the bitten goods. Of, like, I, I, yeah. Good try. Yeah, Good yeah, try, yeah, Jen. Yeah, yeah. However, they are not called the upright thieves anymore. They are called the rogues. They transitioned to the rogues guild when Admiral Merylvib took over 
as a sign they recognized the, the new authority and the new direction of Lumsa Lamenta of being an honest, hardworking city that does <laughs> honest trades and privateering and is not a pirate city anymore. Correct. There's a red phone in Merleviv's office that dials up old Jack of the Rogues Guild whenever there's trouble. I feel like it's Jackie. I've been calling him Jackie. It sounds appropriate. I don't know. I'm going to call him Jack, but you do you. All right. It's going to be Jackie. Anyway, though, so they are kind of an arm of the Limson government. Not officially. They keep their own practices, but also if the Admiral comes calling, they will answer. Yeah. So Yellow Jackets exist to maintain regular old above board law and order whatever the rogues are there because merle vib in her um, infinite wisdom understands that there there are, are still going to be black market deals back alley deals underworld bullshit and that's when the rogues people who engage in that sort of shenaniganry can trust that the rogues will find them and sniff them out and and lock that shit down which is great because I think, you know, it keeps the yellow jackets looking a little bit more squeaky clean. So I, I am totally down with this division of, of tasks. Excellent. Because we're about to get into it. Woo! To become a rogue, we, of course, head to the rogues guild. Unlike the other guilds in the city, there's no sign outside the door. The rogues masquerade as a convent, the dutiful sisters of the Edelweiss. Edelweiss. Thank you, Jen. Also, what's cute is... Every other guild that you join in this world, there's going to be a cute little wooden sign out in front of the door, right? It's going to be like a fist if you want to join the pugilists guild. It's going to be the uh, like the flaming cauldron if you want to join the Thaumaturge guild. There is no sign out for the rogues guild. However, when you go in, you can see on a back shelf just kind of leaning up against a wall is the rogues guild sign, which I thought was very cute. And, and uh, you know, maybe they were given the sign by Merlvib, like, here you go. Here's your official guild sign. And they're like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I like that version. That's now our canon. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are a brand new character, the gatekeep, Lonevord. Nope. <laughs> Lonevord. That's pretty close. So um, you're pretty close. Uh, they call him Lonnie. So I think going forward, we'll just fucking call him Lonnie. His name, Jen, is Ol' Lonnie Leftpatch. Ol' Lonnie Leftpatch. They love their nicknames, these guys. They do. I love them all. They're great. Anyway, Lonnie will shoo you off if you're a brand new adventurer saying, hey, I want to be a rogue or I want to come check out this convent. They'll be like, nope, you're too worldly for this operation. He's an excellent gatekeeper. Um, there's actually a side quest to deliver food here if you want to at the very start of the game. And he gives you like a little wink saying, maybe if you're, you know, a bit more experienced and a bit more morally dubious, <laughs> maybe you can come on back here later. A little so less green. He gives you like a little hint there might be more to come if you drop off this That's cute. delivery as the side quest. Anyway, um, once you're level 10, you can now take the quest to become a rogue and you can make it past the gatekeep to go inside the guild. The, the guard, actually, he recognizes your character based on where you are in the main story quest. When I came up on my New Game Plus to replay this, uh, he talked about events that are way, way past level 10. And says, oh, hey, yeah, I recognize you from this and this and spoilers. Love that. I think, I don't remember exactly. That probably happened with me as well, just because uh, I didn't have to do New Game Plus. So I've already been through everything in this game. And then finally, I'm coming back. That makes sense that, you know, they they don't open up Rogue to you until level 10 so that 
he could take a look at you and see like, oh no, you're somewhat you're somewhat famous. Like you you were at the yeah you you've been doing good shit around town. So there's uh, a valid reason why he would let you in. Yep. So once we pass Lonnie's scrutiny, we're inside the guild. Inside, it's anything but a convent. Besides the disused Rogues Guild sign, this place is just like a, a dimly lit seedy den of iniquity. You have got your, your crates everywhere, ropes strewn about, and far too many daggers stuck in the wall. Yeah, world maps with daggers in them. Mm-hmm. People actively throwing daggers, practicing dagger handling, lots of dagger-themed yep. activities. We can now join up. So, Jen, tip us your daddles, and we'll put a hilt in each one. Okay, I seem to think that means you're going to... I'm going to put my hands out, and you're going to put a knife in them. I'm not, but Jack is going to. Right on. Jack is our guildmaster. He is a dashing here with a very flamboyant look to him. Like, the white and green alternating is a frilly tunic and his um, rogues guild green bandana. It's extremely flashy for people who should be, you know, lurking in the shadows. It's bright green and white and gold, and there's bandanas everywhere. Well, if you're stealthy enough, no one will see you coming. Oh, they, I mean, they deserve it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, they're all wearing this this garb. Um, Yeah, and Jackie is very cute. He gives us the spiel about the guild, telling us that... The, they're there to reach where the yellow jackets can't, to operate in the shadows, and so on. Uh, that's it. <laughs> uh, so this, this is when he gives us our first heap of rogue cant. Heap of rogue cant. The cant being the the slang that they use. Okay. The daddles. The the and yeah, the, curs, the dimber dambers. And, yes, in the dimber dambers. And I I'm trying to think. There there is a really interesting mix of languages going on here um they use the term bene a lot um which is like italian for good you know bene they, they say that all the time and others such where they've you know cherry picked all of these terms and over the years over the generations have become like this insane eclectic mix of cockney just like underground like eliza do little shit it's fascinating they they don't they don't speak the same way the pirates do it's different even beyond it's, yes it's beyond even pirate speak literally no one else speaks like this in the game besides the rogues mm-hmm. it's, it's like their own little eclectic language that you gotta speak to be cool in the rogues guild love it and even though these words are crazy you still can parse what they're telling you. <laughs> uh, Amazingly. Sometimes less so, <laughs> but you can usually infer it involves stabbing someone or thieving something or hiding in the shadows. Or just a general like, okay, this seems good. This seems bad. And then you can parse it later on. So Jen, have you got the guts to do a rogue's job? I do have the guts to do a rogue's job. I think the answer is Bene or something like that, but we'll take it. You're in. So once you agree, you get some stabbers, and Jack makes a joke about you not coming back naked after you equip them, which of course Of course you will have your small clothes on. <laughs> because in this game, when you equip a new set of weapons for a brand new job, then all the gear you have that's not compatible with that job at level one gets unequipped, which is 99% of the time everything except for the weapon. Yep. So you go anywhere at all, any new character's guild, and you will find naked people there. <laughs> right. Hanging like, out. oh, like a new person. So yeah, he's like, you wouldn't believe the number of people that come back to me in their small clothes. Oh, like, I would. Well, that's going to be me in a second. So we're now all stabbered up. 
We are here to do some Rogan. So now it's time to anoint our um, indoctrination with the ritual sacrifice of animals. Mm, here we go. He uses a lot of um, rogue speak to tell us to go kill some some stuff. We do. We warm up and we head back to the guild. Jack gives us a lesson on privateering, talking about, of course, how piracy is allowed only against the Garlean Empire. And we have had a lot of privateering go bad recently, as a crew has recently stolen a Magitech device from an Imperial vessel, but another pirate jointed out from its new owners. Which is... Uh, let me check my notes. Against the code. This is violation of code number Ooh. two. You don't rook a crew out of the spoils. Yep. Darn tootin'. <laughs> that is not in the camp, Jen. You don't know. I do know. Yeah, our first official assignment is to go bite back the bitten goods. And we. this is where we meet, um, what's his actual name? Paramu? Yeah. So not his actual name, but his, his rogue name is Underfoot. And of course, he's a Lala, and that's really cute. And he's kind of like, why do I got to be the fucking mentor? Because he just got promoted. <clears throat> Lucky him. Yes. I mean, we're cool, though. Underfoot, his clothing is very skimpy for the normal male it's, dress we It's see. a mini version. Uh, I mean, it's... Okay, Jackie, he's the head of the guild, so he has a slightly different shirt. But literally everything else is the same. So they have like this, like a chest wrap. Yeah, they have their, their pants, which are tied up at the, just below the knees. Mm-hmm. Bandanas. And of course the bandana. Mm-hmm. The first test before we do the actual job is we need to go practice shanking some jellyfish. So kill more animals. Ah, uh, right. That's all right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, they're, they, uh, you know, they, they pack a punch. So if you can handle that, then we'll go deal with these, with these guys. There's a lot of talk about dodging them and hitting them from the flanks. However, we have no... You can't. One person fighting, they're always going to face you. You don't have any positional attacks yet, so there's no benefit to attacking from the flank at this point in time. Right. I don't think you, you yeah, you don't even have a stun or No, anything. nothing. Yeah. So, so it's a good advice for like just plants the seed. 20 levels later, Yeah. then do that thing, he <laughs> said. Anyway, we kill some, some BS and now it's really roguing time. Underfoot tells us about the guild's network of informants and we have to mm. hit up their contact at the Drowning Winch for some gossip by using the code word weak ale of course no one would order a weak ale in their right mind the barmaid when we order this she nags us loudly like <laughs> how dare you <laughs> she tells us about the word on the street which is that a pirate band called the dainty demolishers is the one that pinched the goods and their gimmick is that they dress like dandies and they have a taste for garlean machinery who doesn't? The last bit of info she drops is that they are likely to fence their goods through some goblins in middle Lanosia. We know that game. And the stolen tech is a Mark 43 anti-aircraft cannon firing mechanism. So Underfoot and I are chilling behind some bushes looking at the, the goblins. The camp is some tents by a river running through middle Lanosia. So we have to cross over this little creek to get to the goblin camp. So he's like, all right, uh, why don't you go? That guy on the left looks, looks, look, I think he just stuffed that shit into his bag. So we go to the goblin on the left. We beat him up and uh, come back to underfoot with the stuff. Great. Good job. We leave. We go back to the guild. However, the camera stays there and focuses on a group of uh, very foppish very brightly colored pirates behind us uh, who watched us while we were doing this whole thing. And uh, they're the dandy demolishers. So they've just watched us steal their stolen goods. 
and we are totally unaware. Yikes. Uh, amateurs. Quick side note. I don't like the way that it drives the action forward a few times in the beginning where it involves us having to fuck up no matter what we do in order to make things go forward. There are a few times at the start where we do our absolute best, but then it's like, oh, no, they actually, they followed you or like, oh, you got caught doing something. So now there's a fight. It makes me feel like, okay, well, Underfoot should certainly know better. What kind of mentor is he to make sure we check our six and that we're not followed back to our secret lair? Though in this case, the dandy demolishers don't really know who we are. Um, they just follow us back to our, our quote-unquote headquarters. Excuse you, the dainty demolishers. What did I say? Dandy. The da- oh, yeah. They're, they're foppish and they love the, the dandiness. Their leader has pink stars on his cheek. And they're very flamboyantly colored, yes. And, and they're they... all rouged up. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. rogued up. Yes. Thank you. Revolution, <laughs> maybe. They tail us back to the rogue headquarters. Yeah, we're chilling there. We're, we're updating Jackie on what it was that we just did. We got the thing. We're going to... And then all of a sudden these guys walk in and they're very smug. And we're a little taken aback because we didn't think we were being followed. Again, amateur fucking move. A little, a little immersion breaking. But, you know, Jackie is cool as a cucumber. He's like, what's up? How can I help you, gentlemen? And there's a bit of a back and forth here because the, the, the dandy guys, well, they think they really, they, they fucking got us. They're swaggering around in the guild and acting like they own the place. They, they make like they're about to drop some serious knowledge on us. One says, shall I reveal our infamous name and drink in your delicious terror? And of course, they, they drop their name. We're the dainty demolishers. Oh, my and goodness. And they wait for us to gasp and react. And, ever, and no one's impressed by this. Like, we fucking know. <laughs> and then they move on to demand that Jack, the errand boy, fetch our leader so they can extort him for the goods back and then compensation for the trouble as well. Finally, one of the rogues has enough of their shit. A red-haired Mikote named Vakebi. She cuts down one of them from behind in one swoop. And then another one rushes in to intervene, and he's felled by a thrown dagger from Underfoot. The music picks up just as Underfoot tells them that they're standing in the rogues' guild. I mean, this scene was very satisfying, and I love that they put it right in the front of this whole quest line. Anyway, so the, well, the second dandy guy that... I keep calling them dandies. The second dainty demolisher that approaches... Uh, underfoot. So he charges underfoot and underfoot's doing the whole like Lala flail, you know, like, oh no, what am I going to do? And then at the very last second, he's like, and shanks him dead. The final marauder, the captain starts to blubber about the tales he's heard of the rogues. And he takes a swing at Jack, but is easily dodged, of course. And then Jack counterattacks with a swift combo of blows and he's down. The last bit of business is to string up the bodies as a message to anyone else who should dare break the code. Pretty badass. Jack lays it on a bit thick with his comment, quite an introduction you had there, eh? <laughs> Welcome to Limsa Lamensa's ever churnin' underbelly, where the thieves shed their skins and become rogues. Hey. Roll opening credits. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> it's great. It's great, though. I also like the moment, I think it's Underfoot that gives them the little speech, like, all right, you know, our, our guy Lonnie out there only lets three kinds of people in here. One, like the Admiral herself. Two, uh, you know, rogue hopefuls. And three, smug-ass pieces of shit idiots who walk in here unawares so they can get trounced. Guess what category you fall into? 
Suckers. Number three, bitches. <laughs> so next job, next level up. This bear in mind is level five. We never get this kind of front loading with the action in in a in a job in a job quest line. No. We just don't. It shit starts at like level twenty normally. And, and I, I think that almost every single tier has a solo duty with it as well. This yeah. thing is insanely packed with content. Yeah, there's there is a legitimate each each level has its own encapsulated little story and drama, but it all also feeds like the greater story arc. Yep. It's so good. It's super good. Anyway, well level ten. New mission. Jack gives us a bit more history, which we all already know because we listen to this podcast, of course. Um <laughs> <laughs> We're on to our next job. Some thieves stole a shipment of muskets from a merchant. The Yellow Jackets arrested the criminals, but the muskets are missing. We are, of course, bound to return them to their rightful owner. Which is the Yellow Jackets themselves. But Jen, let's not forget, you don't bite the purses, oh, your fellow Lamensons. Oh, Rule number your one. fellow Lamensons. You don't bite the purses of your fellow Lamensons. Thank you, Pirate Jen. You're welcome. This time we are working with Bakebi the Stray, who is our badass Mikote lady we just met. She's so cute. Something is afoot in this tier. Bakebi is hungry. <laughs> ah, that's right. The fucking egg finger sandwich from the Bismarck. Right. She brought in some sandwiches from the world famous Bismarck. Oh man, she paid a pretty penny for those, I am sure. But they've gone missing. Someone has nabbed her lunch. Fucking classic. There's always that fucking guy in the office that eats everybody's lunches. Well, Jack mutters to himself, unbeknownst to anyone but us, the players, that he ate them thinking they were underfoots. Because that makes it okay. So now he's got to hella cover his tracks. He's afraid of this woman. Exactly. He promises to turn them up before she gets back from the yeah. job. Oh, I will find this sandwich for you, my lady. No, because Jackie is not a he's not an asshole, so he doesn't say that. But he does say that he will try to find her sandwiches. Sometimes an asshole. I think that no matter whose lunch they are, it's still a dick move to eat it. A hundred percent. The first step is to tap the rogue's informants, of course. You gotta hit the flagstones to get the deets on the streets. Wow. So we are going to question a fishmonger at the High Line, and she points us to the Traders of the Edge as a likely buyer for these muskets. These are black market dealers. They're supposed to be in town, but we don't know where. So we'll do some spying to see if we, we can catch some clandestine conversations. This is where we use our hide ability. We go to three different areas around Limsa and Lominsa to overhear conversations. Uh, some of them are productive and some of them aren't. But it's just neat to be invisible and sneak around town. Uh, so we get a little bit of intel and figure out where, uh, at least, you know, who's, who's trying to peddle them shits and where the deal is going to go down. Uh, I think the, uh, the little ferry operator there at the Fisherman's Guild has the, uh, the best info. We do, though, as we're spying at the Bismarck, get an update on the egg sandwich saga. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, the, what, what, is her, what is her name? Morning Dove? Sure. Falling Dove? I think she is the, like, at a minimum, she's like the sous chef at the Bismarck. So she's grumbling to herself that everybody wants their shit and they want it right now. And she's like, I can't make a fry pan cook any faster than it does. Blah, blah, blah. And also, man, the Rogues Guild, really, they're super into these egg sandwiches right now for some reason. This is like the second one I've made today. Curious. Hmm. The plot thickens. Anyway, the actual story. 
I guess this is the B plot. The A plot is the sandwiches, obviously. It's all very important, right? Uh, this, it's, it's, it's an A and then an, also an A story. <laughs> yeah, the skipper at the docks is talking about how he saw one of the other skippers taking a bribe from someone. And he's not sure whether to narc or not about it. Yeah, he's like, God damn it. Why did I have to see that? Now yep. I got to make these decisions. It's okay. You don't have to make a decision. We've overheard you. And now we're going to do our own shit. And when we regroup, Vakebi has done her own spying and found out the merchant has vacated his room at the Drowning Wench recently. We've got to act fast. Yep. we got to ambush him before he skips town. So we stealth up again to catch him at the docks. So what uh, Vakebi has arranged is for um, a yellow jacket agent or a yellow jacket soldier to meet us between the docks and Hawker's Alley. So we don't have to go very far to like transfer the goods and get them out of smuggling range. So uh, yeah, we, we sneak up to the trader at the end of the dock with his pile of shit. We take the musket box back and this is where our stealth kind of withers. He turns around. It's like, wait a second. One, two, three, four. I'm missing the muskets. And then our cover is blown. We do have to fight some dudes until Vikebi joins us. She's like, all right, I'll handle these guys. You like book it and, and hand the muskets off to the yellow jacket guy. So we go back into hiding and walk very slowly past all of the other yellow jackets and or no, the, all of the other hired guns working for this trader guy. I know they want you to stealth here and they're giving you a reason to, but the number of, of guards he has is ridiculous. Oh, there's like one every five feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sneaking past 20 guys that this one merchant who's got like three crates of goods has hired. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a loss for you, bro, with the labor you're paying. Pretty much. We do that, though, and drop off the muskets at the Yellow Jacket. Success. Right on. Okay. Job well done, guys. All right. Let's all go back to the guild and pat ourselves on the back. We get some bad news, though, back at the guild. Oh, right. The sandwich. That sandwich... It's gone. It's gone. Fortunately, wow. Jack is such a good guy. Yeah. He ordered new ones. Look at that. Brand new sandwich just, just for you. An underfoot was in charge of the sandwich acquisition. And he walks up and he's like, you motherfucker. Like the next time you eat somebody else's sandwich out of the, out of the break room or whatever, I'm going to like, I'm not doing this again. And, you know, within earshot of Vakebi and she's like, mm-hmm. and Jackie is sweating. Jen. Shaking in his boots. May I remind you, you don't pinch the purses of your fellow Lamensons. Rule number fucking one, bro. Yeah. So there's a, like, it kind of blacks out. We hear a scuffle and we open back up to a scene where Jackie has been strung up. <laughs> like he's hanging 50 feet in the air. Oh, it's just precious. So Vicky gets her, her sandwich back. The new one, at least. Mm-hmm. She has her sandwich and her revenge. Yes, which is good. It's an important lesson for Jackie. He did make it right, but he does need to do the penance for the first transgression. Yep. Meanwhile, overseeing all this joviality, there is a yellow jacket in the distance. We don't see her face yet, just her cute little hat. She's a Lala, of course. Oh, yes. Her yes. cute hat and her long green hair. She's talking about how she's chafing at being indebted to the Rogues Guild for returning the muskets. God damn it, these fucking guys. She walks away. They belong in a cell, not on the streets. Yeah. So bitch has a problem. Once Jack frees himself from his binds, we have our next job. We have one more lesson to learn as well about the code. This is a personal request from the Admiral. It sounds like a remote village has been destroyed and its inhabitants have been abducted. 
This is huge. This is huge. Fucked up. And it breaks code number three. You don't trade coals like they was chattel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like they was chattel. However, despite that clear instruction, these pirates are pillaging honest coals and dipping their wicks in the slave trade. Yeah, that term has changed meaning a little bit. <laughs> yep. But either way, they're headed for a right good stabbing. Darn tootin'. I'm going to make it happen. Darn tootin' is the new fetch. The culprits this time are the jelly merchants. They are licensed privateers, but it sounds like they're doing some side business. Very lucrative side business, unfortunately. Kind of questionably, the Maelstrom wants to keep this job quiet. They don't want people to know about these kidnappings. It seems maybe like a good PSA to say, hey, you know. Lock your doors. Yeah, lock your doors. Keep an eye hide out. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. The job is, though, to find the culprits, free the people, and to keep it all on the DL. The strategy here is to head to Aleport and wait for all of this crew uh, to meet up so we can hit them all at once. There's a bit first where you have to go and spy on them. And you're actually way down in Lower Lanosia on the Salt Strand. You and Jack eavesdrop on a couple of them who have some fresh captives. And they're talking to each other about going to Aleport. And that's how you learn that's where their ship is. Right. And then we meet them at Aleport. Jack has found out that the, um, the actual pirates are wearing lavender gloves to signal to one another that they're in the same gang. Right. We we see one. Um, we're chilling at the, uh, like the, the ferry, ferry station in Aleport. And there's a very drunk jolly merchant hanging out there he causes a bit of a ruckus and gets the attention of the yellow jackets and that jackie's like oh fuck we don't want this whole like that's that's shitty so now we have to like hide and be super stealthy and go inside all of the um like the in common areas find the the kidnapped folk beat up the dude that's watching them and we're just gonna go room by room and and do this yes this is pretty easy, mechanically speaking, but also it's set up very interestingly, too. They went all out here with the scenario because you have yellow jackets in the streets. You have to stealth past. Mm -hmm. And then you go inside these buildings and there are normal ass adventurers just hanging out. And you've got to find people the who right are one. sometimes in like the, the back areas yeah. that have the captives with them. So you don't want to kill the adventurers. You do want to kill the pirates. It's really it's pretty fun. Yeah. I think the most sophisticated stealth has gotten at this point in the game. There are parts much later on where they do it better, but still, grading on a curve, this is pretty good as far as the way they've used the tools to make this scenario. Exactly. Like we 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 would not have to use it if they didn't introduce the the yellow jacket complication. Yep. So very clever. Anyway, we free the captives. We're about to pack up, but then one of the captives tells us that they heard some pirates talking about there being a few more out in the countryside getting some fresh people. Great. Okay. So we have a subgroup that is still out there trying to collect as many people as possible. So we got to go find them now. Jack gives us our dagger toss move to arm us for this conflict. Yay. Arranged attack. Huzzah. We head up there and find some more people who are tied up inside a ruined building. We free them. The pirates come back and yell at us for having stolen their their money making source yeah and also like you know i whatever like i'll just go get some more and you can seize my boat you can seize whatever the fuck i sell one of these assholes and i can buy a whole new ship and a whole new crew and like you just you, you think you got me you don't 
You just straight up don't. How's about we seize your life? Oh, let's do that. Yeah, that sounds good. This fight is also very clever. We have this captain of the the jelly merchants. This is the Lala, right? The guy that comes up and is like, you think you got me? Yes. That guy? Yes. So he's not a captain. He is a, we're going to get pedantic here, the loadsman. Oh, excuse me, the loadsman. Yes. Either way, um, so he brings in his buddies and they start rushing us. So we're fighting them in melee. But these pirates have trained dodos as well, which are super slow, but they will mess you up if they They could. will fuck you up. Yeah. You got you to gotta be on top of your mitigation for this. No, you've got to hit them with daggers before they get to you is the trick. I mean, I used the daggers when I could, but I'm, I was just like... I mean, they don't take a lot of hits to go down. They're very easy to just knock out. It was such a go there for me. No, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't range dagger the pack of four dodos. I just... I just wailed. The intended solution is to throw daggers at them because they have very low health pools, but they will hit you hard in melee. Yes. So if you watch for them to come in while you're fighting in melee, fighting the pirates in melee, you can flip some daggers at them and take them down before they get to you. Did not do that. It worked out, but... I think that they tell you to do so as well, but as we know, Jin doesn't read text in battle. I mean, it's it's hard. I'm busy. <laughs> I can't be reading this shit while people are stabbing me at the same time. Once that's done, uh, we get a flipped script here from Sigurd, the Marauder questline kid. When he, when the quest is over, says, oh, can I be a Marauder when I grow up? And Vern Zoan says, yes, if you eat your vegetables and practice every day. Uh This time, though, one of the captives is also a child. And he does the whole shtick about, can I be like you when I grow up? And Jack (laughs) gives him some lifelong trauma. (laughs) (laughs) This is perfect. It's perfect. It's exactly what he should say. You shouldn't look up to me. And further, if you step out of line, I'll come for you in the night and cut you up. But if you eat your vegetables and listen to your mom and dad, you will never see me again. And the child is scared speechless. <laughs> so fantastic. <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn, kid, but it's it's the right one. You can tell us therapist in 20 years about <laughs> this. So, oh, I loved it. Loved it. Like, we're not pandering here. This is this is real life, guys. So, childhood ruined. We're about to leave again when the green-haired yellow jacket rolls up. This is Captain Malala, and she's here to escort the villagers back to safety. But before she does, though, she gives us a talking to. Jack tries to buddy up to her and, you know, be like, hey, we're on the same side, blah, blah, well, blah. Well, yeah, he doesn't know her intentions. He's no. like, hey, what's up? Um, you got You got any new work for us? And she's like, oh, me? Have a job for you? Never. And then she launches into this whole thing about there is no way that Limsa Lomensa can move forward until every last vestige of piracy and black market dealings and ass hattery is, is eliminated violently from this, from... The land. I don't know. Yes. Oh, yeah. Get rid of every last vestige of piracy, underworld shenanigans, and buccaneering. And she considers the Rogues Guild to be a one more hangers-on from the criminal element that Limsa Lomensa used to be known for. And she cannot abide this. So she gives us a challenge. She throws down the gauntlet. There has been a theft recently from a ship in which three priceless treasures were stolen. And unless we can get back the majority of these, 
then she will write a formal report to the Maelstrom recommending our Immediate dissolution. Yes. These treasures were bid on by the Maelstrom. By Limsa Lominsa. Like, they, they wanted these items for reasons. We don't know what they are, save for their names. So, we're yes, we're given a task. Get these three treasures back before we do, and maybe I won't have to write this letter. Jack doesn't really want to play along. He's like, this is kind of bullshit. Right. Then, he's like, no, fuck this. Fuck you. And then she's like, oh, but your code says you got to do it. She got him there. Yep. Yep. On a technicality. Challenge is on, I guess. Yeah. But no, I I appreciate how Jackie, I'm still going to call him Jackie, was like, this is this is bullshit. I don't need to play your stupid games. But actually, yeah, fuck, I do. Ugh. I got to bite back them bitten goods. We get back to the guild and we've done some digging on what these treasures are. There are, of course, three of them. There is the Cerulean Star, a big blue diamond. Mm-hmm. Part of the ocean. The Silver Sorrows, earrings that were worn by the Sultana herself. Not this Sultana, but a previous Sultana, yes. And the Black Sarcophagus, which is a mystery. Total mystery. Underfoot knows that these treasures would never be fenced, they're too valuable. They're probably going to be auctioned off. Right. They're super high profile. So this is going to be a hell of a deal. The other update is that the scuttlebutt says the likely culprits are the Grinnin Kurs. Grinnin Kurs. So far, we've had the Dainty Demolishers. Yes. We've had the Jolly Merchants. They're not very jolly. And now we have the Grinnin Kurs. All right. We're just keeping track here. Sure. At that point, Vakevi rushes in to tell us that some mundane cargo from the same ship has showed up at a Yellow Jacket checkpoint. So we hurry over to go check it out. Yep, it is a race after all. Underfoot gets there first. He saw the merchant, the the black market trader, who is carrying these goods be carted off. And they've got the goods stowed here to be um, inspected. Yep, so the Yellow Jackets are all up on this because obviously, you know, there's a ticking clock now. So they've got a quickly look through all of these things in the hopes that they'll find one of these treasures before we do. Um, This is another hide little task for us. Uh, We sneak up on these yellow jackets to see what it is that they know or don't know. And we find out that nothing, nothing of note was in this thing. It was, and and the guy that they caught bringing these back into Limsalobinsa after they were just removed from Limsalobinsa, doesn't make any sense. Um, he's poor guy. He has no idea. Like he's not a he's not a Grinton Kerr. He's not some sort of underworld guy. He's just he was just hired to bring these things back in as a diversion. Because we hear though while we're sneaking around and, and eavesdropping that Malala has ordered the guard doubled because she sees these stolen goods. She's all up in a tizzy mm-hmm. and it's like watch every checkpoint, check every cart. Yeah, we're talking to Underfoot afterwards, and he's like, "This stinks. This seems like this was a setup." Yes. And it must be to try and divert the attention to land. So they must be trading by sea then. Uh-huh. Yeah, not his first rodeo. So now we get to meet our colorful black market trader who has no name. He's just... The black marketeer. Exactly. This guy has a 
bit of an odd practice where he will change his location based on the weather. So only people who know the deal can yeah. find him. You got a Norwester? Well, he's going to be over here. You got a Southerly? It's going to be over there. Exactly. That's pretty cute. Today, he's going to be lurking up by the Summerford Farms. When we get there, he gives us a test to make sure that we're not a cop. <laughs> are you a cop? If you are a cop, you have to say yes. If you're a cop, you have to get beaten by these kickerns. He throws at you. So we get attacked by these ratmen and cut them down. And he's like, oh, yes, your blade work. It's that of a rogue. You're legit. Never mind the three lives we just ended. <laughs> Maybe we just maimed them a little bit. A chaste maiming. As we know, nobody cares about kicker and lives. So they're on the payroll to be tests for any prospective customers. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, I, I joke, but we had the same thing happen again where he's with kobolds this time. And then he throws the kobolds at us. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I, I know there, there's no reason for it. It's just like here, have some kobolds. It just shows he means business. This is serious. It's not like the quest is lacking for content whatsoever. You don't need to give us a fight to give us some excitement. We, Why we get not? plenty of it. Why not? We've been reading text and doing our little hide maneuver and walking like. I'm serious. It, it really it trivializes these lives that will mean something later on. You know, these are our creatures with Oh, I, I agree. Okay. But it, it does happen that a lot of the stuff that we fight, they don't die. We just, you know, incapacitate them. So I am going to run with the assumption that we have simply incapacitated these guys who are just kind of running interference for this super high level black market in the know shadow man. All right. You keep your feel good gin propaganda. I will. Thank That's you. Fine. Moving on. Anyway, once we impress them with our flashy blade work, flashy non-lethal blade work. Thank you. The merchant confirms the apprehended person was a decoy to throw off the yellow jackets. And while they are watching the land routes, the curves are moving the goods by sea through a place called the Doxy's Pole, a treacherous foggy bit of sea. Now that the ruse is in place, we're expecting that the curves will make their move and escape by sea shortly. So we've got to act fast. Finding the ship is very easy. This Doxy's Pole area is sold as being like a super sketchy place, but we just hop on a little dinghy and zoop, there we are. Yeah, this is this is where countless ships have gone to perish and to never be seen again. Um, however, they did add a little bit of a caveat. Post-Calamity, the Doxy's Pole fog is a little bit more unpredictable. It could be lighter or heavier, whatever. It's, it's less of a thing. All I'm saying is if you're going to sell it as being a super dangerous place, actually sell it don't just talk about it i know i mean or, they, they've, they've shoved so much fucking content in this already to make it like a like a dangerous the, the counter being don't make it sound so spooky if you're not going to actually sell it the place is very misty yeah but I, it would have been it would have been cool and i i give you that if we got on a ship and sailed into like a huge wall of fog and suddenly our visibility was nothing and you know, if we if we used some rogue skill or had some amazing fucking navigator to help us, you know, find our way through the fog and then eventually see our quarry looming in from the mist would have been cool. This is jam-packed full of content, and I'm okay if they don't do this. I just wish they made the setup more mundane if they're not going to capitalize upon the the pitch they've made. Understood. Anyway, moving on, though. We hop on a skiff. Sail out to the Kurz vessel. Once we're aboard, we launch a sneak attack on the crew. 
their captain comes up, who's a pushover, honestly. Yeah. And they let loose Growler, who is a curl. After the bodies hit the floor, we search the ship and find the Cerulean Star. Mm-hmm. This is one of three treasures down. Back on shore, we pump the captain for information, and he eventually relents. It turns out that the Kurds have thrown in their lot with the Executioners, a much bigger threat. The diamond was their payment for helping with this bigger heist. Yep. So they were like, you help us, you get to keep this really and blah, blah, blah. Once we get the details from the Kurds, we're about to punish them rogue style, but then Malala shows up like a wet blanket and accuses us of employing underhanded methods to take down the Kurs. Which were what exactly? Oh, right. We'd go talk to our informant. And then the captain, the Kur captain, accuses us of being the Admiral's lap dogs. So what is it? Are, are we rogues? Right. Or, yeah. Or... Are, we, are we thieves? Are we underhanded assholes? Or are we like, you know, working for the man? Christ. They can't figure it out. Yeah. What, well, whatever one makes us assholes, Malala is going to do that one. Pretty much. Isn't this where she she kind of goes on a bit of a rant here about we we can't move forward as a society with with you with you assholes about doing your rogue bullshit. She also mentions the fact that she swore an oath on the graves of her sisters. That bit comes later, but she never fails to give us a lecture whenever she meets us. So may as well talk about that now. During one of her spiels. She talks about how she swore an oath on the grave of her it's, sisters. Yeah, it's the next one. Yep. Doesn't matter. But still, like, this is where we find out that she's really, she's kind of, like, too close to the issue to be impartial in a way that lets her do her job appropriately. Yes. We never find out what happened. We can infer that they were killed by pirates right, or yes. something like that. And now she's anti-pirate and anti-anything that looks or it's talks. A, it's a bit of a trope. They they pulled this a few times in in this game. You know, there's there's always some some element of PTSD that makes somebody more um, extreme. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good no, thing. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it's but it's not the first time we've seen this, you know, in a character. That's because the characters in this game are never one-sided villains, except maybe in the very beginning when the storytelling is still very rough. Right. Every character has a motivation that makes sense to them, even though we may not agree with it. And that's one of the great things, in my opinion, about the game is that this has real characters on both sides of the fight, not just caricatures that are like, I'm bad, let's kill stuff. And they're, Yeah, they're never like one-dimensional. Yep. Yeah, and it, it's fabulous. Love it. I yeah. call that a feature, not a bug, and that, Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just pointing out that, that, it's, that it's something that they use, which is good, that they give these characters depth and a past, and that makes them flawed, but it's always an opportunity for growth. Nailed it. Okay. Anyway, after we go back and, and talk to the guild, Jack is concerned that this group is the bloody executioners who are one of Limsa's great pirate powers. Mm-hmm. The executioners answer to the Gladian Accord, which is the no more pirates law, was to attempt to overthrow the government of Limsa and, of course, Admiral Merylvib with it. Eventually, under extreme duress, they signed on to the Accord and became privateers, their captain recognized that the Garlean Empire was a threat that Merylvib was making it out to be, and that they did need to reform to unite against this bigger danger. It threatened all of their livelihoods. So yes, in a way, they did have to present a united front-ish. Despite that, they are still a notorious and fearsome group. Their former captain, uh, Hilafir 
Feymon Zirn, I'm not going to even try with that. <laughs> it's another classic. Has recently retired due to being old and sick and so on. With the leader <clears throat> gone, the crew is now starting to fracture. And different factions are arising amongst them, including the ones who are orchestrating this plot. These ones are called reformists, as in reform Lumsa back to the pirate days of old. Yeah, like originalists, basically. Yeah, exactly. So after hearing this, Fakebi wants to sit out this one caper. She's scared of them. She's afraid of retribution. She's afraid that if the rogues guild gets involved, they might have bidden off more they can chew. The retribution from the executioners may wipe out the guild entirely. Right. I mean, their reputation precedes them, and she's rightfully very nervous about getting involved with these guys. But Jack says, no, the job's the job. We have our duty. We're going to do it. We find out, We have. well, we go talk to our, our black marketeer friend again. Yep. And this Check the weather first. Correct. This is a southerly, so he is in, what, Costa del Sol? No, he is in Lower La Nocia by the House of Sticks. The House of Sticks. Which is a creepy good name for a rickety shack with no flavor to it. And it's like, it's, that's like a, one of the scenes from Blair Witch Project, The House of Sticks. So we, we figure out that the... Well, first, we have to stab or gently subdue his kobold minions to prove we're not a cop. There we go. One, once again, which is weird. How does this guy do business if every customer of his gets assaulted that's a great question. We don't have time to get into it. Uh, so we figure out that the sale for the, the earrings, the Silver Sorrows, these are very important for Old Dawn history. So, of course, a, um, a very high-ranking, wealthy <laughs> official from Ulda is going to be the buyer for this particular artifact. And they're going to be buying it from um, one of the accountants for the reformists. This guy isn't an official, though. He is part of the East Aldenard trading right. company. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's you know, they're linked to the monetarists. They're, yes, they work for the East Aldenard trading company, which is, which is huge. We can infer, after having gone through this whole segment, looking at the comments of the agent of the company, that they were going to return the earrings back to the sultana and the sultanate but they're going to profit from it somehow because the the person makes some underhanded comments about like making a sweet profit off the deal yeah Ooh, these are gonna bring in a very tidy return i mean this will be a priceless addition to the historical record of the yeah a little of both ultimately fine yeah you're you're from uldal right this is in costa del sol this is where the deal is taking place at this huge Boardwalk ridden. No, it's it's the sprawling it's the, resort. Yeah, it's the the party docks at Costa del Sol. So Vikebi kind of goes off on her own here because what she wants to do is get these things back in the stealthiest way possible because she doesn't want anybody from the bloody executioners to know that we are involved in any capacity. She's scared shitless. Right. So she we encounter her spying on the the you know imminent deal. This is where we have. Um, a bunch of little pockets of dudes scattered about, guarding the way to uh, where this deal is going to take place. So there's going to be a trio every so often leading up to where the, the location of where the deal is going to take place. There's going to be a mammoth and then a couple other um, executioner minions. I think the mammoths, which are like guard automatons, I think they're from the, the merchants, the Ulda merchants. That makes sense. So here, Jackie suggests that 
you probably want to take the mammoth out first uh, because they're going to hit the hardest. So what you want to do is hide, sneak up, get behind the mammoth and hit them with your trick shot and then deal with the rest of them and then continue to do that until you get to the end. Yeah. So we do. It goes as planned pretty much until we get to this palisade where the bloody executioner's accountant and the Ulda merchant are doing the deal. And after we've taken out the guards, they have one last trick to pull. First off, the accountant starts by threatening us about what we'll unleash if we go up against the executioners. This reminds me of of, uh, the Untouchables, where they go after Al Capone's accountant, and he's like, you're all going to die. And I'm like, yeah, well, bring it on, bitch. (laughs) Pretty much. When that doesn't work, the merchant starts to intimidate us by saying that she is an official, well-connected representative of the East Aldenard Trading Company. Tell somebody who cares. Well, if we touch her, it'll cause an international incident, which does make some of us care. Maybe not Jen. Well, we're not here to, like, kill you. We're here to stop you from buying this shit that is, you know, these, these are stolen. This is this is illegal what you're doing. That's what Jack says. Right. And they're like, no, we're, we're here with a lawful bill of sale. No. And we're at an impasse, though, because they're like, you're going to piss off Ulda. And we're like, whatever. Or Jen's like, whatever. And now Malala shows up. Um, oh, we forgot to mention that the merchant tells us that uh, Malala had the same question for him. Right. That the black marketeer. Right. Yeah. He um, also gave the same details to Malala's guards. Uh-huh. One, so she's getting pulling dirty. under Dan and she, Yeah, yeah. Like, she knows this is a valid way to get information. Cops in real life do this shit. Um, so look who's Rogan now. The one Rogan is Malala, who rolls up with this official seizure order to say, I represent the Limson government and I'm seizing these illegally claimed goods. And then she will facilitate them being handed over to Ulda and not this back alley trade going on. So this is her underhanded, sneak ass, pussy ass bitch way of getting a hold of this other treasure. And now we're tied. Right. Jack's like, we got this thing back. And she's like, nah, I'm the one who came up with the solution. (laughs) And then she puts them on her ears to safeguard them. Because they, ha- they have a pissing match. Jack and Malala go back and forth. He's like, I'll steal them back from you. Mm-hmm. You better keep your eyes open. And mm-hmm. she's like, no way. And then she puts the earrings on her ears to safeguard them. She's wearing them for days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best call, but nope. <laughs> that's what she does. Again, she's making questionable decisions because she's too emotionally close to the issue. So we are, I guess, tied, debatable, but she's the one with this dumb challenge. So we've got to play by her rules. Yep. Two out of three. Anybody's game. When we get back, Underfoot has found out now what the sarcophagus is. Finally. This is an imperial explosive, a big one. Yeah. And just then, a message arrives from the Black Marketeer. We go to meet him in Upper Lanosia. However, it turns out it's a trap. I knew it. The executioners have killed him. And they're laying in wait for us. Classic. Not totally unexpected. After we take down the first round of them, one of them talks to us. is like, maybe you may have won the day here, but the real goal was to get you out of Limsa. The timing here doesn't work out because we get back easily before it matters. So it's not like we're gone at a key time or anything. Yeah, they tried. They tried and failed. And she's extremely smug. For no good reason, but yes, she is. Very punchable. But she does let slip, though, that a ice appear, 
<clears throat> ice appear. Nailed it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. I heard a P though. Ice appear. But it's Isabir. It's 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 Isabir. I don't. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Whatever. Moving on. Captain Isabir is the leader of the reformist faction, who's making a bid for control of um of the crew of the bloody executioners, and he'll return them to the old ways. She also tells us that they're going to blow up the Maelstrom Command and take the Admiral out with it, which maybe you should do that if we're like here literally during your plot. But it's several hours before the actual thing happens. So kind of spilling the beans there, yeah. lady. Good job. Bad job. Thank you. Jack sees this as being a bigger issue than some rogue than our and little contest. yellow jacket measure off. Which is 100% true. So he wants us to go and tell Malala what's going on and team up against his threat. We do so. We talk to her with their little earrings on outside of Limsa and tell her what's happening. She is worried about the challenge, but still believes us, thankfully. Yes. And she's like, yeah, that is that is a legitimate concern, obviously. But this doesn't, doesn't void our challenge. Like, really? God. Okay, fine. Jack not trusting the Yellow Jackets to do the job correctly, rightfully so, mm. has us on watch two from the shadows. We can see from a nearby tower in Limsa, Molala yelling at her guards. So like, double the guards, triple the guards. There's no more guards. Well, yeah, they're. Shit. I mean, they're all, they're all guarding the higher ups. Like we don't have any more yellow jackets to spare for this, for this, you know, lookout operation. Night falls, and a Lala Marauder rolls up to Milala just after she's dismissed her subordinate, and she's all alone at her guard post. This guy looks pretty sweet. He's got that dark skin and spiked white hair. Mm-hmm. Those big gauntlets and hefty axe. He looks pretty rocking. And the silver I earring, mean. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's also pretty badass in combat as he rushes Molala before she can react. And she tries to fire a shot, but he knocks the pistol from her hand before she can hit him. So it goes flying onto the ground. He lays it on a bit thick. He goes on about how she's wandered into a world she doesn't understand. The underworld. <laughs> I bet she wishes she had some rogues now. I know. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> I know. It's just like saying the moral of the story. I, right. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. You know, maybe be a little bit more open-minded. Malala dies for a gun, but he cuts her down pretty brutally. Yes. So she's kind of dying. She is dying yeah. in the streets. Yeah. And then a drunk rogaden wanders up, bottle in hand. Just a random Limson citizen. This is hilarious. I love this. She gasps at him. Quick. Uh, must tell the others. Uh. And he can't take it. He's like, I, I didn't see nothing. I, I, I didn't see nothing. I mean, classic. <laughs> like, you know, this guy is, you know, born and raised in, in uh, you know, Maelstrom Red. So he bails. He, he knows what's up. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> His drink out of mind cannot process what's going on. Yep. He's like, I'm just going to go to bed. But this Malala learns that they are planning to take out the entire mizzenmast which will structurally um, be disastrous for the entire city not long after jack shows up he heard her pistol go off from across the city now in her darkest hour she beseeches the rogues to save the city underfoot goes off to call for a yellow jacket healer she'll be fine spoiler (laughs) and we head out to save the city so the first time I did this instance, I didn't read the stuff. 
twist. And I failed it because I was just fighting dudes and I'm fighting dudes and I'm fighting dudes. I'm like, why won't this guy die? Oh, because I'm not doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. So the um, thing you're supposed to do is to go find the detonators. Right. Yeah. So you rush up and there are executioners everywhere now. It's a full attack. And you can see we're in a, a solo duty, but outside the boundaries of it, there are yellow jackets fighting executioners too. So it the whole city is up in arms. Mm-hmm. This is like a full on rebellion against the Admiral. It's it's pretty intense, actually. And we, we cover a lot of ground in the city. Yeah. Um, we're fighting dudes as we go along. So we, we strike out with our, our rogue friends. We hit up the high line, kill some dudes there. We run out across the bridge. We start fighting some dudes. And this is also where Captain Isabir joins the fray. And this is where the flavor text pops up. Um, go find the detonators. Follow every ramp up and down. Find these detonators and destroy them. Otherwise, I mean, we're all done for. You run east. You run west. You run south. Um, you're on the z-axis. You're on the x-axis. And there's three detonators, and you go destroy the detonators. And you've you have uh, disarmed the black sarcophagus. Huzzah! The rogues are much more effective than most NPC companions are. Usually they, they kind of tone the damage down for your allies so you can do a lot of the work. But I noticed that the damage they deal is a lot more like, um, what's his face? Uh, Isabir? I noticed Isabir was mostly dead when I got back from disarming the bombs myself. Yep. They, they take care of business. Uh, yeah, I was I was dealing with another dude and Isabir was dead. I, I like I had, I had touched him a couple times. Yep. So I, I don't know what the thinking was on the design part, but I was impressed by how much more effective the rogues were at fighting than most NPC companions in these kind of solo duties. I felt very well supported in that moment. Yeah. yeah. It also feels like you're really teaming up versus like you're the star and, and they're just there to Exactly. That becomes tiresome. You're carrying the entire fucking team again. But no, it's they will take out... Isabir. Yeah, I was just like running around. But you will take out the bombs. Teamwork. Fantastic. Yeah. Good shit. So job done. We flash forward to the next day. Malala has been healed and is getting reports back from the Yellow Jackets. A horde of citizens descends upon her to congratulate her and to thank her for saving the city. You saved the city. And she has a kind of a moment here. She's like, no, I was kind of unconscious for this thing i that's not that's not how it happens she feels guilty she's not gonna you know steal valor here she's still upstanding in that way i read this as being her being confused as well because she looks blank for a minute and then she seems to have like a dawning recognition that we were the ones who did the work correct that's exactly it yes so she's not going to take credit and she has a a moment there where she you know everything she thinks she stood for kind of comes crashing down in 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 a moment and has to kind of put herself back together in one fell swoop. But then a guard comes up asking for the earrings as the Uldan dignitary is here to pick them up. And she goes to take them off, but, oh, they're missing. Hey, you got jackied. She got jackied just when she's coming around. Yep. Rogues Guild! Not too far away, Jack is wearing the earrings himself. <laughs> so good so he let malala and her yellow jackets have the black sarcophagus seems appropriate he's like all right so we got the cerulean star in the earrings we win we saved the city and also we won your dumbass challenge malala's wrath is allayed for now and the city is saved jack knows we've got other work to do so he's not going to ask us to stay and, and pal around so we say goodbye to our buddies jack walks away a passerby walks in front of us and zoop, he's gone. Love that. And we give him a knowing smile. The end. 
Not really. I mean, yeah, we, we meet him at the guilds. I like, I hated that. I'm like, yeah. could, we, could he have just like, you know, disappeared into the night, you know, in like the most awesome rogue way possible. But like five minutes later, we're back at the guild. I'm like, anyway, so how about that debrief? Anyway, I was still talking to you a minute ago. Right. Back at the guild. <laughs> uh, and then we get our, our stuff um, and we say goodbye for real. And now the quest is over. So much went on. I don't remember in any other quest line so far where they have like planted these these little story elements that, you know, the, the, these little B plots, these these fun little um, Easter eggs that will we will get satisfaction for those in the future. Like the fact that he was like, I'll take those fucking earrings off your ears. I swear to God. And then and then a little bit later, he does. That's more of like a, a main story quest level of detail. Yeah than like a, a class quest, which tends to be pretty focused on its content. Exactly. They don't they don't have these little things that are that are planted and then come back. Like the little sandwich thing. I mean th- yep. that they didn't have to do that. So here's my theory. This class came out after um the release of A Realm Reborn. 2.0. But before the release of Heaven's Ward, the first expansion. So I think they took a lot more time than they had and will ever ag- again on this quest. <laughs> It's got to be by far the densest quest. I think so. Just in terms of content. It's incredible. Maybe like, like, Dark Knight like, is a contender for that, but it's got to be a close call. Yeah, Dark Knight is extremely special. But this was just right. Like, of course, you get your, you know, your session zero, killed some animals, whatever. But like immediately after that, you are in the thick of it and it's legit. Yeah, there are zero dead levels here. Everything has full story. Everything counts. You see, you, you get your lesson in the, the code. It's a nice one, two, three. Here's the code. Here's how it articulates. And then you tie it all together with this bigger heist. Fantastic. Yeah, it's super good. I had, a, I had a great time. Me too. You couldn't do it, obviously, because this is rogue themed. But I would say this does a better job of selling you Limsa than the Limsa main story quest does. I agree. It, it captures all of the things. You don't get a lot of maelstrom activity, but that's, I mean, you can just, you can kind of take for granted that, but it's, this is between, again, it hits on the, um, the hopes and dreams of Limsa Lominsa going forward and transitioning from piracy into, you know, a legitimate economy and how the rogues have a valid place in that economy and the yellow jackets have a valid place. You know, our, our little captain Malala had that, had that, that reckoning and understood how all of these things have to work together. Mwah, chef's kiss. That's our review. We love it. We love it. If you also love it, or you hate <laughs> it, or you have your own opinions, God, I hope you have your own opinions, please find us on Twitter at PodReturn, or via email at PodReturnFFXIV at gmail.com. And... Well, Jen... Yes, Levi? You can also reach us on the Podbean app, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Which I didn't realize until just recently that you can comment on the podcast only through the app, not through the website. We're learning, folks. Not only that, though, <laughs> when you get a comment, it will not notify you as a web user. Which is bullshit. So, so I was uploading the episode. I glanced over and I saw that like there's like a little box in the corner that says comments and it was now populated. No, no flash, nothing to draw your attention there. It just kind of blends into the UI. But we had someone ask us a question a few weeks ago, and we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit, this is almost three weeks ago. And you can only respond by downloading the app. Which we 
to that point hadn't done. So one, we figured out you don't get a notification. Also, if you want to read comments and respond to them, you have to go to the app. Bam, done. Figured it out. That's another place you can reach us. Yes. And we will pay attention. You know who you are. We're sorry. (laughs) We did respond. (laughs) Let's not forget next time we are beginning our first journey into Gordania and the last of the three starting city main story quests before we finally move forward with the game's overall story. Here we go. It's been a long time coming. I am looking forward to Gordania. I have not done this MSQ before. Gordania is my least favorite city in terms of aesthetics and vibe and the themes I have been exposed to as an outsider. And Connie Senna, their leader, is my least favorite leader of a city by far, again, as an outsider. So I am wondering if this firsthand exposure to it from the ground up might change that. Or if I'll still be hitting on Connie Senna after we're done with the next few episodes. Is it a charisma problem or is it you feel like she's not effective or is like, what's your, what's your deal with Connie Senna? I think she's just too passive. Fair. I mean, that is kind of her jam. I agree. And I don't like it. Fair. I I loved Gradenia. I thought it is, I thought it was gorgeous. I had such a good time when I first arrived, when I first started playing the game, running around New Gradenia and old Gradania, and loving the the trees and the nature and the buildings. I thought it was gorgeous. Well, there's a teaser. Let's see how we feel when we go through those MSQ levels. We shall see. And that's, well, that's the episode. We'll that's see a, you next time. Yeah, that was a doozy. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.